Welcome to People Who Teach, a podcast about the habits, beliefs, and ideas of real people who teach. My name is Brian Seppi, one of your co-hosts, along with Andrew Stella. We launched this podcast in under 48 hours and decided to commit ourselves to our very first episode on December 30th, 2020. In this episode, we look back at the lessons we've learned as educators from 2020, the year that changed all of us. And we look at what's happening now in education and what has our attention, as well as looking ahead at 2021 and the goals we have both personally and professionally. We hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for being here. Okay, welcome to Real Teacher Talk, where we Andrew and Brian explore the topics related to education, teaching, and personal growth. I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Stella. We are going to get to know, we'll spend the first couple minutes, maybe we'll just get to know uh, and give everybody a little context of who we are, what we do, and how we got to this point of developing our, creating our first podcast. This is exciting. So Andrew, just a little bit about you. What's your bio? What's your background? How did you get here? And maybe you could touch on that point that you kind of mentioned uh, earlier, which is all of a sudden you and I find ourselves back together again, creating something for our fellow colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting because, you know, we just talked about this, like in our career, you know, so I started out, I started out at the University of Buffalo. I was in wrestling. Wrestling was like my big thing. I was a division one college wrestler. And then after I was at UB, I decided I wanted to be a teacher. It was something I wanted to do. I had kids, you know, we had, we had summer wrestling camps and I really enjoyed it. And the kids seemed to really enjoy me and I enjoyed spending time with them. So that was a route I wanted to take. Uh, I went, I actually at UB, I had, I had a, uh, my degree was in early childhood education. So I had to go into an education program while I was living at my parents' house and wasn't going super well, right? Because, you know, here I am 22 years old living at my parents' house. So I had to get out and I actually went, my brother was in Bristol, Tennessee, and he was wrestling at a private school. Uh, it's called King College. And the coach there offered me a position as a graduate assistant coach. So I could go to school, get my degree, and I could also coach wrestling at the same time. So it was a really great opportunity for me. I spent about two and a half years there. During that time, I learned a lot about coaching. I learned a lot about teaching. It was interesting being in a different state doing teaching and then coming back to New York. When my wife, uh, she was pregnant with our first child, you know, I was just finishing up my student teaching. So I came back. I live in New York. I live three houses down from my parents' house. Uh, we bought a house. And um, what I started doing was I started sub substitute teaching because you know how crazy it was to get a job here. It was intense. And it was, it was really hard. And I was substitute teaching for maybe like a year and a half. And then uh, I decided when we were having our second child, I needed some type of income, steady income. So I started teaching pre-K at a daycare and it was wild, man. It was great. A lot of good, a lot of good memories, a lot of great kids. And then I got hired at Westminster and that's where Brian and I kind of like came together 
I was actually hired in March of 2015, I think it was. And Brian was a coach that, or uh, instructional coach at Westminster. And the school was, how would you best describe Westminster? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I mean, it's, it's an amazing uh, school that I think so many of us learned our teaching chops there, right? I would say it is a charter school uh, in the city of Buffalo. And it is a great gift to the community uh, here in Western New York. And uh, so many of my most talented um, colleagues have obviously come from Westminster, some and most are still there. Uh, if they're not there, I'm obviously connecting with them in other places and they've gone on to do great work in other uh, districts or schools in the area. So yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's a, it was a, just an amazing learning school all around. Uh, there was just so much to, to learn um, from the people there. So. so so much energy. When I walked through it, you know, here I am I was walking into a first grade classroom and uh, I walked into the room and I didn't know anything about any about anything. And I came in there and I just, um, I loved it. I instantly loved it. I loved the people. I loved the energy. I loved the administration. It was just, it was a wonderful place. And even looking ahead, you know, I teach remotely now third grade with a teacher who used to be at Westminster before I got there. And even she says the same exact kinds of things. And the teachers that were there too, you know, unfortunately the teachers have left a lot of the teachers, but it was a an amazing school to learn and grow as an educator and the kids. I mean, just wonder, wonderful relationships, wonderful kids that I met there. So I was there for about five years. Now, Brian was at that we met at Westminster and um, Brian left right after my first year to go to a district and I stayed for about five more years. And then I left last year because I put in an application for my old elementary school where my kids go to school 0.4 miles around the corner. So I've never, and that just speaks to the school, how much I love Westminster and I love that school. I would never apply anywhere else. And it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make is leaving the school I love for somewhere that is just really near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I made that jump. There were like 660 people who applied for that position. I got it. I'm super grateful. And now I teach in Sweet Home Central School District. I am a third grade teacher. I am just super grateful for everything that's brought me exactly where I am right now. And and here, here we are. So the two of us sort of reconnecting and creating this content and this podcast for, you know, to have an impact uh, on the greater educational community and the, and the colleagues that we're learning with and, and really to have some sort of impact. So yeah, my story is somewhat similar. And and I and I guess I, I drew a blank on your background and I'll kind of speed through my um, chronicles. I, much like you, was a uh, a late decision maker, if you will, uh, call it 25, right? When I made my jump and decision to continue my undergraduate work here in Western New York, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, came up here for other 
work, working in management at the time, and went ahead and uh, decided to go back to school to become a teacher, which is something that I think always loomed for me. It was always hanging over my head, this, this path that could have been. And so I went back and I committed to it at Canisius College. And, and you'll, you'll hear in a minute how Canisius College comes full circle in this story too. I, I finally graduate, uh, get this degree done, and I take my first sort of after school tutoring job. And um, another colleague of ours, Shane, uh, Shane and I took this tutoring job where we met and we took an after school tutoring gig at Westminster that was from 3.30 until 5.45. And we were basically in the same classroom working on our educational degrees, uh, undergraduate. And then we were tutoring students for after school help. I, like you, fell in love with this place, this community of great educators, this community of great people, the families there uh, working in the heart of Buffalo. It just it just felt right. And then I went ahead and there was an opening and I was about to finish this degree. So I applied and lo and behold, I got the job. So I started teaching sixth grade and worked right across the, the hall from a colleague that uh, was probably the biggest light that I had, uh, in education to this point, uh, this guy, Steve cook, who I still work with now. And, and so, yeah, he's amazing. Right. And so he mentored me and really kind of helped me cut my teeth in education and make sure that I was focusing on the right things. And a few years later, they were looking for an instructional literacy coach. Now we had been a partner school with teachers college reading and writing project when I was a teacher. And then because of those recommendations from Teachers College Reading and Writing Project, they were looking for uh, an instructional literacy coach. I applied and had no idea what I was getting myself into. And so the ride has been amazing. I had to figure out back in 2008, I had to figure out what instructional coaching was. How do you work with adults? I made a ton of mistakes. Needless to say, I stuck with it. And I'm still an instructional literacy coach to this day, still working with the Teachers College Reading and Writing Project. I decided to leave uh, Westminster uh, after 10 years of, uh, of, of teaching there and learning there and went on to uh, a district close or south of, of the city. And moving on to Orchard Park, they were looking for a way to implement an instructional coaching program. Now, much like you, I wouldn't have left uh, had it not been for this sort of opportunity that spoke to me, right? Uh, the only other place I would have left for is the place where my kids and my wife work in the, that district. I would have probably considered that as well, um, just because you, like you said, you always want to have an impact in the place where you're growing your family and your community. And so uh, when I moved uh, to Orchard Park, we got uh, instructional coaching off the ground. We have partnered with Teachers College Reading and Writing Project. And so here I am in my now 12th year of instructional coaching. And I also work right now as an adjunct professor at uh, Canisius when needed, and then co-lead with two really talented colleagues, uh, Bethany and Joyce. We co-facilitate the teacher residency program, which is a year-long apprenticeship under master teachers in the surrounding Buffalo area. So Andrew, we talked about, uh, so that's my story. I'm sticking to it, man. And then then here you and I are uh, creating content and sort of focusing back on a podcast, which I, we look to um, keep going for as long as we possibly can. Right. Which is great. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. So like, I think too about like, you know, and I know we're going to talk and we're going to reflect on this year. Right. And like how, how this year has gone, but I, I do think it's pretty bizarre that, you know, we have been not in contact for a while. And then really this year, 
you know, getting on social media and talking about, you know, topics in education. And somehow, you know, I sent Brian this email a few days ago and I said, listen, I'm starting, I really want to start a podcast. I really want it. I really want to, and I think that's important. And we always need to keep coming back to that when we do these episodes is like, why are we doing what we're doing? There's a purpose. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this because we really want to help people. We really want to help educators and we really want to help kids. Um, And I think that's like the biggest thing is, you know, I I wanted to talk about these topics and these issues and, and get more in depth with them. And as I was thinking about doing a podcast, I was like, Brian's like, man, what, a, how perfect, you know? Right. And, you know, you had said to me, what was the book that you read? Right. That was really powerful. Yeah. So the, the book that I read up here, so the be big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, right? So the idea that these, um, that creative ideas or ideas in general will, will, will come to you, right? And if you do nothing with them, they'll leave you. And and I think the same thing, I was on the same footing with you uh, creating this podcast, I wanted to create it. I think sometimes when you want to go do a solo endeavor, it can be challenging because um, you're faced with a sort of the decision paralysis that comes with it. Whereas you and I decided not even 48 hours ago that we're doing this thing. And here we are because we both wanted to say, look, we can do this together. We can have an impact or support colleagues in a really sort of profound way um, because we're not afraid to jump in there, make some mistakes, learn through the process and create some content. So yeah, that's that's sort of where we are. Yeah, absolutely. With your very nice color-coded, <laughs> color-coded books. <laughs> right. I, got my, I brought down a few books. I only got a few. Oh, there you go. There I you wrote go. a few up there, so... That's- yeah, I'll tell you, uh, in a lot of my social media feeds, that is the number one um, thing that like people will point out. They're just like, can we just talk about the color-coded books? I honestly, the way that it came about was I couldn't figure out a system other than like when I'm putting books on the shelf, it's like, all right, I could do this by author, I could do this by sort of content, or I could just do it by color. And when I get a yellow book, I know where it goes, right? So there you go. Well, and I, I think that's the other thing too, is like you and I were always growing and we're always learning and we're always reading and we're always researching. And I think that's evident in like our social media and everything we do. And like, it scares people sometimes, right? It scares people because it's intense, but we're always trying to like grow as educators. And I think that's really important for coaches, for teachers, for education because we just want to be better for our kids, you know? 100%. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's that, That's a great se- sort of segue in teeing this thing up. We talked about um, a way to structure some of this show today, which was 2020 has been quite a ride, right? And the only thing that kind of gets you through some of this is that professional growth or that personal growth that you're experiencing. Having said that, you and I are two reflective practitioners and teachers. Uh, when it comes to looking back at 2020, what are some lessons that stick with you? We agreed initially that it would be three lessons that really stuck with you that got you. Uh, I'd love to hear that and kind of go into depth with what are the three things that impacted you or you learned this year? Sure. So something that really stuck with me is how, really how, I want to say maybe a few years ago into teaching, getting technology for kids was really hard. You know, and now we're, you know, a lot of, a lot of schools are one-to-one kids have iPads at home. 
Um, and it's just, it's opened up this whole brand new world. And something that I really learned is how to kind of, kind of get ahead of it. I got ahead of it before the pandemic happened. Now I'm, I'm, our school is very blessed to have uh, one-to-one iPads. They were third grade and higher. And I started third grade last year. I went from first grade. I taught first grade for five years. I absolutely loved it. And then I got hired at my new school and I was in third grade and I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I really like teaching primary and um, I really love third grade. I absolutely love it. But the one thing that we did have was every kid had an iPad. So what I did in my very first semester of being there, I really, um, I experimented a lot with technology. And I think that was a big thing because we were using one LMS platform and it just, it was really tricky for the kids to navigate. And, you know, we, we, we kind of like trialed and errored a lot of things. And um, it was just like we said before we started this podcast, how resilient are kids and how, how resilient are they to be able to take on all of this technology and navigate these different things when they're like eight, you know? So I think looking back, I'm very grateful for being so open-minded to looking at different ways of technology and how technology can really drive instruction and how that's changing education today. Because it's, man, some of the stuff you can do, I don't care if you're virtual or in the classroom, you can use all of it. And it is some of the stuff that I'm doing. So, and also I didn't even say this, I'm remote all year long. I'm with a class of 19 remote third graders from schools all over the district too. I have no kids who are in my home school. So I think that's very interesting that like, I'm doing things that, that are really, really good. And I'm very proud of. So just looking at that and looking at how in the spring, I think it was when the spring hit, I think it was a really good time to experiment with all these different technologies and like, you know, these, see what you can do with the kids, see how resilient they can be, see how hard you can push them, learn and reflect from what, what worked and what didn't just like we're doing with this podcast. Some things are working, some things we got, we got to change, we got it, but that's what makes good, good teaching. And that's what helps kids is you, you, you try these things and that didn't work that well. And I tried this and I know before I jump into it next time. So I think those two things, kind of looking at technology and looking at what we learned from the spring. Yeah, that's so powerful in what you said there, right? Like the idea that we had to, so many colleagues had to, and I hate to use the term because I think it's over used, which is like flip the switch, right? And many people were forced with sort of where do I go? What do I concentrate on? And a lot of times, uh, especially in the spring, like you said, like you needed people around you that were going to give you grace and permission to kind of find and explore new ideas and new technologies. But that um, the kids, the students that we had were along for the ride and have been along for the ride. And they're really not as impacted as we're making them out to be like, I mean, they've been just as resilient. And that's kind of one of my biggest lessons learned this year is like students, kids of all ages have been amazingly resilient. I know we talk about teacher resilience and I think that's 
evident too, but I just want to focus on like the lesson for me here is like students are so resilient um, and they have done things like we have flipped schedules around things like hybrid. We have allowed students to go fully remote. We have allowed students to start fully remote and then back into the classroom. Uh, some, some places uh, like my own school district, our K-3s are full day in person. And then, oh, by the way, after Thanksgiving, we're going fully remote with that group. But then we're bringing you back a week before a winter break. And, you know, like kids have been shuffled and they really haven't missed a step. It's not like anybody has, you know, missed the bus or not showed up with, you know, they're lugging around backpacks now with laptops and Chromebooks in them. They're wearing masks all day long, taking a snack break behind uh, polycarbonate barriers, you know, those sorts of things have shown me a great deal about what students and kids are made of. And and that has just been beyond impressive. So students are resilient. They've been amazing. And I, I'll just say this uh, about my own child here. Uh, my own child, 12 year old, have found a way to connect with his neighbor across the street. They miss playing hockey in the street or football in the street or whatever. So they figured out a way to prop the phones up, um, put in their earpieces and catch football uh, via FaceTime, right? Like think about that for a minute. Like they're figuring it out, right? And they're fine, okay? Um, which brings me to my next lesson learned this year, which I think is an important one too, is everybody's self-care looks and should be completely different. Um, I think there were a lot of recommendations for what people can do. And I think suggestions are always welcome, but your self-care looks completely different to you. Uh, I like to veg out, play a little rocket league with my kids when I can. Um, that's self-care for me. I like to go run. That's self-care for me. It doesn't have to be your thing. Uh, I found that for me taking on more, um, and getting more involved in anything that I could actually helped me through this transition in this time, but everybody's self-care looks completely different. And I think, you know, that's gotta be respected. And then the final thing that I think really got my attention this year is that it's it's important, like you said, with the technology, the balance there, the big lesson that I learned is that it, when you focus on the essentials, okay, and you narrow it down to the tools that have some utility, right, that, that are not just one and done tech tools and can have a little bit more longevity and or you think about your practices that are a little bit more sustainable, like read aloud at third grade, at first grade, at any grade. Is a sustainable practice. Kids need to hear books from great teachers. Or we talked about just independent reading time uh, or independent writing time, time to do these things that we're asking kids to do. Those essentials haven't gone away. And in fact, they've actually become a little bit more enhanced as a result of colleagues being focused on the right things. So uh, I think finding what's essential, students are resilient, and everyone's self-care looks different have been the three big lessons uh, for me this year. So I feel like there's so much I could go off of that because <laughs> they're, they're all so on point, you know? Yeah. And I, I do. I think kids are super resilient. And I think, I think sometimes as teachers, we're looking for opportunities to build life skills for kids. Mm. And I have said it since day one, since this pandemic has happened, this is a serious, um, th this is when you build resiliency. This is our job to help guide them through a tough time. Mm -hmm. And these kids can read us like books. You know, when we get upset, 
if we get flustered, if we, you know what I mean? Like they know. Yeah. It's so funny. You, you put out something the other day that I think speaks to what you're saying there. And I, I just want to see if you just maybe can, I'll, I'll tee this one up and maybe you can just kind of riff on this for a minute. Um, you know, when we go to meetings and a lot of our meetings have been obviously uh, via zoom or doing other things, right. Every teacher has a different method of taking in a meeting or participating in the meeting. Uh, some colleagues will have their cameras off. Some colleagues are, you know, in a situation where, um, for me, like personally, like I have a lot of notebooks and I've, I've shared these with you just recently. I, I like to, I like to doodle and sketch during a meeting. It's not that I'm not paying attention, but it's the way that I capture. It's, it's my note taking system, uh, like banners and fonts and, you know, sort of arrows and drawings. And right. And so, I think being this way, and you, you posted this where you said your students sort of took over uh, annotating you or, or sort of drawing you up a little bit. And, yeah. and you just want to talk about that a little bit. I just think that it was so funny to hear that little rant uh, that you had about that, because I think what it shows is it shows that kids are also creative and that it also shows it speaks a lot about you uh, uh, allowing for the, the time and space for kids to be creative and have a voice. Um, because without that comfort, I don't know that they would have done that. Right. But like, yeah, just talk about what they did and, and what do you think it means? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. And I know you've, you've felt this as a teacher in the classroom, it, you go through like levels almost like the kids get really comfortable with you and then you got to kind of pull them back in, you know, a little bit, but, um, just being, being yourself, being yourself with kids, you know, like we are, we are in a tough situation. We're all on zoom and like things are going to look different and kind of talking them through that. Like, it's, it's okay to make mistakes. It's all right. Like, Hey, you know, I will never forget. One of the biggest things I can do, especially in writer's workshop is when I'm doing guided writing or some kind of practice and I'll start doing my drawing or sketching first. And I'll look at the kids and I'll say, you know, don't judge me. Don't judge me. We're all, I'm doing the best I can. You know what I mean? And like when young kids hear those sorts of things, they, they're kind of like, well, you know, Mr. Stella, like he's, he's not the best drawer, but he still gives it a shot. I'm going to, I'm going to do it, you know? And I think sometimes we look at the things that we say and the things that we do and the kind of people we are in front of these kids really allows them to open up to who they really truly are. You know what I mean? And like, they've got to be comfortable enough to take screenshots of me. Right. And like make a collage out of it. Like that is, you know, if you're not comfortable with your teacher, you would never do that. You would never do that. And I think that is just such a, it was such a nice touch to see your kids do that. And you know, if anybody listening or watching, you want to kind of see that they can go to Andrew's, uh, TikTok page and kind of check that out. Um, you know, that brings up another sort of, I guess, interesting point. You, you mentioning this idea for kids to have this creative outlet and and to have a sense of community. I think community has been a hard thing to do when you're like you're describing your situation, which is fully remote. You know, what what kind of things have you done? I mean, I've seen a lot of great things too. My colleagues who are, who are building community and others uh, in the greater network of colleagues, uh, social media and beyond. But um, what has been your focus and attention when it comes to building community? I, I think the biggest thing is like, I will not do like everything that I do in the classroom, I will do online. We, you know, when we were at Westminster, we started restorative justice circles. I love right. restorative justice circles. I think they are fantastic. The last year I was at Westminster, I had a 
it was an extremely tough class. It was a lot of behaviors going on, a lot of things going on at home, a lot of trauma. Um, and we, man, that was one of my classes where we built some of the strongest community in. And, you know, I can talk about, you know, rewarding kids and, you know, intrinsic rewarding and ev- and everything on top of everything. It is building relationships with your kids and having your kids look, like be able to be comfortable enough to ask you questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is the biggest thing because I make these connections on. I mean, we're doing restorative justice practice. We do when it's a kid's birthday, we make them uh, a jam. You know, I make a jam board on Google Slides and all the kids put post-it notes on it and we print it out for the kid. You know, like it's amazing. Trying to do things that, and I haven't even shared that one yet. I got to share that one, but yeah. um, just trying to think outside the box as much as you can. Yeah. And then the other thing that I'll kind of just riff on for a minute that I think you brought up that also needs to carry some weight now. Okay. Um, hmm, how do I phrase this in a way that that is super respectful? Uh, I th- Okay. Let me just, let me just dispel some myths before I get into this. Um, perfection is an illusion. Let's be clear about that. Okay. Um, with that out of the way, I don't think it's in our students' best interest to always sort of want to be perfect in front of them. I think what students really need, uh, and I've, I've tweeted about this a little bit, and I actually um, sort of feel strongly about this, is students need real examples of readers, writers, thinkers, users of technology, right? Whatever you want to call yourself, whatever the the frame of mind that you're trying to implement, what they don't need is they don't need to say, you know, oh, he came up with that drawing so quickly and it's so polished and perfect. And come to find out it took Mr. Stella, you know, three hours and you're asking them to do it in 45 minutes. So I think, and I, and I, I know many of our colleagues are, are sort of aware of that, but I think it's worth highlighting that students need real examples. They need to see you cross things out. They need to see you revise on the fly. They need to see you fumble a little bit through that technology and then get it up and running and kind of reflect and say, next time I'll do this. Those examples, I think, go a long way. Like you said, in the idea that I think my teacher is perfect, come to find out they're really not. And they're a learner just like me. And they're a little bit resilient, just like me. They're willing to persevere just like me, because those are all the sort of soft skills um, that we're asking kids to operate from. And when we show them ways that we too are human and sort of interacting this way, it, it kind of dispels some of that, which I think is a really nice touch. And it kind of highlights what you were describing there. Well, and that's the thing. I'll give you a great example of this. When I first started teaching third grade and I started doing this in first grade too, you know, we start reading workshop. Here's what reading workshop looks like. I take out my book and I just sit down and I just start reading. You know what I mean? And like right. a lot of times kids will be like, well, why aren't you pulling groups? Why aren't you doing that? You know, and it's like, no, right. we're, this is this is our reading time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, how many times have you seen a kid in, in writer's workshop and they're writing and they make a mistake and they get that like angst? They're yeah, really 100%. And like when I make a mistake, I'm like, boom, cross it out. We just moving on. We just move on. Yeah, I've been pretty open about that recently with some of the students. When I go in to demonstrate a lesson, uh, a lot of times I've been super honest with students that, like, look, there are books that I too haven't finished. You know, like letting them in on the secret. It's like, yeah, I started this book. 
I got to chapter six. I just, it wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. There were four other books on, on my nightstand or, or down here that I kind of gravitated towards. And I put that one off to the side and it fell apart and I didn't, I haven't revisited it, you know, and just having those open dialogues and letting them know that maybe you're like that too. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're like that, which is uh, an interesting way to, to kind of think about that. So looking ahead to 2021, and maybe it's just like rounding the corner into 2021. I don't think we should make any immediate sort of sharp turns at this point. Uh, let's just, let's just ease into it a little bit. Um, but when you think about 2021, what are like, what's one thing that really has your attention uh, as you sort of launch it? I mean, we're midway through the school year. But what yeah. has your attention right now? What has my attention right now? Um, what has my attention right now is how how like school keeps changing every few weeks. Like you're learning a new tech strategy. You know, you're learning a new tech thing. You're throwing a new thing these kids way, and like there's something better out there. Like I just did a TikTok on my phone about how you can Google and move it to your computer. Like something new i feel like every day i found out and i'm just like wow that's that's pretty awesome um and i think it's there's these things that like when if say tomorrow we went back to normal which i know won't happen but i want you to think about how much how much you've learned as, mm -hmm. a, as an adult as a teacher as an educator as a person during this really difficult time i've learned a lot yeah and it sounds like you like you're saying like there's so much more to kind of pay attention to and to learn right like you said that i mean you just posted something that was sort of brand new to you um but but that you find some utility in right like that yeah i think that's an important thing to kind of uh, i often say i find myself saying this a lot and i'll probably say it a lot in these podcasts um that everything has to be from a place of curiosity as an educator and you have to operate with a white belt mentality the minute that you come in thinking that you've mastered the craft of teaching you know i i think i think you're in dangerous territory at that point i think this idea of, of sort of uh, the the white belt mentality or the novice mentality and, and sort of operating from that place that there's so much more to learn or there's ways to be efficient or there are things that I could be doing more of. Um, I think it's, a, it's just a nice place to be being humble uh, with that, right? Um, yeah, I think when it comes to what has my attention right now, and I, I, I have opinions on this matter, I think I'm just watching it. I think I'm trying to watch it to figure out how to strengthen how I feel about it. Here, here, here's what has my attention. I think there's a little bit of chatter right now maybe a lot, but in my circles, there's some chatter around students are behind. Okay. I'm just watching it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that any student is truly like behind. I mean, maybe students, there's going to be a group of students that probably are behind in some ways. I guess what I'm paying attention to or what has my attention in that conversation is like, what metrics are we using to say that students are behind? What value system are we putting out there that says students are behind and how does that look across the levels, maybe K 12? Um, because I think, as I mentioned before, I think students are actually operating from a little bit more innovation. Um, they're a little bit more kind of like, right. They're becoming more of a self-starter uh, as a result of having to manage their schedule or show up on their hybrid days or make sure that things are turned in virtually. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, now I'm live with my teachers the next day and and, th and I'll just say this while I'm here, like, thank God for teachers. Like, thank God for teachers because teachers have been equally 
as innovative with how they collect things, what they're collecting, how they're assessing things. And like, let's not put any more pressure on this matter that students are behind. Students are fine. They're, they're like, they're fine. Again, I'll go back to the example of like my student, my kids here at home, they're pulling up, you know, a group chat on their phone and then they're online simultaneously. And I'm not saying this is a good thing, but I'm saying this is the way it is. Um, but they're communicating in ways and they're, they're, they're focused on being innovative in really unique ways. So as Gary V would say too, like they're a little bit further ahead because they're willing to create content or push some things out there. Um, to interact in, in unique ways. So I, I think that has my attention. I'm just going to watch it. I think, like you said, it's been a long 2020 uh, when it comes to these shifts and changes we've adapted. But I just want to watch that narrative and really pay close attention as we round into 2021, which is, are students behind? I mean, well, maybe I, that could be an episode in itself, you know? I think it's, I think you put that really, really well. I'm actually going to go back to your mentor in sixth grade Mr. Mm. Cook, and he told yeah. me one of the best things I could possibly hear in a in a PD. He's told he's told me so many great things. He's a great teacher, great person. Mm-hmm. He told me not every flower blooms on your watch, and it mm. was one of the most powerful things anybody could say to me. And like, it's really hard as an educator to know that that kid is just not ready to read or write yet, or they're just they're just not ready, you know, and as educators, we want every kid to get to this, this level, right? This level and whoever deems these levels, like, I don't know. I mean, every kid's different, but I will tell you kids that are even struggling with content. What are they doing? That is amazing because some Mm -hmm. of them are the best drawers or they, they just have this skill that, you know, when you look at them and you're like, man, you're, you're just going to make it. You're just going to make it. You got something mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. you. Um, and I think sometimes we get so hung up on they're not at level I, and this is a big deal. And we're going to call the fire department and um, not everyone is ready. You know, there was a, there was a TikTok. It was like, what's a scam without being a scam. And it was like, the girl was talking about how kids just in their brain reading, you know, like not everyone's ready for what you're about to throw at them. But mm-hmm. it's those connections that you make with kids to get them to want to want to do what you're asking them to do. You struggle to struggle through yeah. something that they can't do. If you can't read, but you're trying, you're busting your your bottom every day because you respect that teacher. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's all we can ask for, you know. So true. And those are the life skills, the grit, the resiliency. If you want it, you build strong relationships and you go out and you get it. And like, you know, when you have it, I mean, as a teacher, you know, you know, when the, and I'm, I'm speaking a lot about a student I have right now who has just, he's, he's bought in, man, he's just doing everything he can every single day. Yeah. And like, you know, that that's an interesting point. You bring that up. And I I wrote an article recently on my blog um, that basically just said, and I posted this quite a few times, which is relationships are greater than technology. Okay. Um, There is no technology that is going to come in and somehow replace magically replace teachers. It's just not going to happen. I don't buy it for a minute. However, what you're speaking to there is, first of all, kudos to you, right? Like if your student right now is buying in, he or she is buying into you 
right? And how you see them. That's what they're buying into. They're not buying into the way that you know the administrator or the system is set up or whatever. They're buying into you and how you see them. I think that is just when it comes to relationships, that is the key. What you're talking about is unlocking and being able to find the strengths and doing a little bit of strength spotting. We do that a lot in athletics, right? When it comes to my baseball coaching, the first thing I'm on the lookout for are like, what are the what are the key fundamentals that this baseball player is working with and doing well? Once I have that locked in, I can leverage those strengths to do a lot of other sort of skills or drills, right? And I think the same thing goes in the classroom. Like your students are showing up every day because of the way you see them and the way you make them feel about themselves. That's the magic. So it is 100% about relationships and getting, making sure that you're able to see your students in a way that they're not seeing themselves currently. That's, that's the big magic here. Well, and here's, here's another thing that I found, and this just goes back. This is Westminster to a T where we learned how to do a lot of things that made us the people we are today. I was sitting down with my administrator and we were looking at guided reading or we were looking at reading levels, right? And you know, you know the Excel sheet where it's got the green and the red and the sure. yellow. And we sat down as a team and he said, what do you, what do you see? Like, I just want you to look at it. Mm. This long in my teaching career. What do you see when you look at this data? And I looked at it and I was very quick to jump on, well, we got to get these kids in the right direction. And he took a step back instead and said, well, I see a lot of good stuff here. I see a lot of kids who've done a lot of good things and a lot of positives. And I I do see some things that we can, you know, we can help a lot of kids with, but I want to focus on some of the good. And I think as teachers, we're so quick to jump on like, what do we need to fix? This, this, this kid's level or, what they're doing, like, this is not going to, you know, and it's not going to change overnight. We, it's a lot of hard work on our part and on their part. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of hard work, when it comes looking ahead at 2021, I, I do a little bit of goal setting uh, every year. You and I've talked about this when it comes to you personally, what are, and I, I wrote my goals out. I got my little sheet here. You know, we can, we can figure this out in a minute, but like, what, what are your goals for 2021? What, what has, has you focused? What are you focusing on? Man, I, I, I will say I do have some, some self-care goals too. I, I think that's very important. And I think, I like how you touched on that. You know, I think there is some things that I think I do well at home, but I want to spend more time doing with my mm-hmm. own and you know with my wife and things that I and how I man and I think I manage my time well but I think I can do better at it you know and I think if we're not reflecting and not changing and growing then like you said we're not professionals like right right types of things so I think there's there's definitely some self-care I think there's definitely one of my goals is to keep having an impact hmm. on the community and definitely like keep giving, keep supporting and keep just being there for teachers and, and just trying to help as much as I can. I think that's one of my goals. And I think, you know, you can talk about, you know, social media and TikTok and all that stuff. And, you know, this is an outlet for me to, to really like, you know, I want to think, I want you to think about how many times have you watched a podcast or read a book, right? And you get those like goosebumps, you know what I mean? That person yeah. talking and you're like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> 
Anytime David Goggins speaks, I'm sort of all in at that moment. I'm like, what's he more? Yeah. <laughs> you know, from New York, right? Western New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like those types of moments, I feel like over the years, I've spent enough time gathering those things and reading and researching. And I'm not saying that like I'm ready to I, I'm ready to help, I'm ready to be more of a mentor to people who want help. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of where I'm going this year. Those are some of my goals. You know, I, I run in like tech PDs and do some stuff like that. Just trying to be there to lend a helping hand whenever I can. Yeah, man. I love those goals. I love the idea of like focusing on your family. And then, like you said, like just being supportive and being there and showing up for colleagues. Like, and, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, this idea that most of anything that we share, we've kind of made this commitment at this stage to, you know, nothing is, nothing is monetized, right? Like, I mean, the stuff that you are putting out there offering the stuff that we're putting out there together, it's all like, I'm not looking for, I'm not seeking monetary value. I'm looking to have an impact on colleagues. And I, I, I did a little uh, post about this a while back too, which is I think about when I do create, I ask myself one question, like, will this impact one person that I know? And if the answer is yes, then it's worth creating, right? Like, even if it impacts one person, it doesn't don't, I'm not looking to have an impact on, you know, 50,000 people at once. I'm looking to have an impact for one person. And maybe the thing that I'm thinking through is the thing that they're also thinking through. And by me highlighting it, my process or my way or whatever, if it helps one other person, super. Uh, and I think that's the kind of space that that you and I are both living in. So that that commitment you have right now to continue on with these sort of offerings um, and creating this podcast and and as a way of support too, and and also per personal growth uh, and creation. Because I think this is a th this podcast is sort of a serves a, a, a number of purposes, but one of them is yes, it may support other people in their thinking, but also it's going to inevitably impact you and I because we're we're creating. We know we have to show up. Uh, we have to know. We know we have to be accountable for creating the content, which is great. So well, that's really nice. Thing too, we don't know every, you know what I mean? There's, you can research something or you can read something and there's definitely two sides to everything. You know, you can be for something or you can be against something or you can kind of be like right on that line. Right. And I think it's what makes you, you and you a teacher and you different from every other teacher is you take things that you value and you've seen work with, you know, and how open are you to reflection? How open do you are are you to trying new things? How open are you to failure? And those are tough. Those are tough, man. Sometimes failing and like somebody telling you that you're wrong is like really hard. Yeah, you know the thing. The thing that has helped me with that a little bit, and I'll, and I'll get into that and. I'm glad you you highlighted that because yeah the failure can feel feel hard but the one thing that I think has gotten me through it is even about this podcast there was I I experienced some resistance about even creating my own individual podcast and then I'm glad that you and I 48 hours ago decided we were going to do this together because it it really did push me sort of in in the ring a little bit. And it said, you know, just get in there and you got to create because uh and, and Seth Godin talked about this recently and he says, you know, you can't create something without having a lot of like really bad stuff, right? Like, like, so he, he says, Oh, you want to be a writer? Well, show me your bad writing. You want to be a podcaster? Show me your bad podcasts. You know, you want to be a runner? Show me the log of your bad runs. Like, but if you come to the table and you say, well, I don't have any writing or I don't have any runs. 
then you can't claim to be any of those things. And so I do think it's about pushing yourself to experience that growth and just being outside of your comfort zone, willingness to fail and have a lot of bad stuff. Because at some point, at some point, and probably in this episode too, we've probably said some really good stuff, right? Like we've also said some probably, probably some like bad stuff, but you'll never get to the good stuff or the highlighted stuff that will have an impact if you don't also have a mountain of bad stuff that you also tried and failed your way through. So um, that's that's crucial. I think that's a good point. All right, my three goals. Yeah. Here okay. we go. The first thing, I am obsessed with personal growth and I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I believe that every area that I'm exploring when it comes to personal growth, and this has been a, an exploration over the last two years of looking at this closely in my life. I told you my goal earlier off screen where we talked about last year's goal was really to just be a better father. And I wasn't sure what that looked like. And and I went through like just being a better, more thoughtful listener, um, really being attentive, you know, all of those, those channels. So that was good last year. But this year, uh, I really want to Last year was a big moment for me to reform or look at closely some of the habits that I have. Uh, I've done a deep dive into some habit work. This year, I really want to look closely at my habits when it comes to workflow. When it comes to workflow management, when it comes to teaching, what are my habits for planning? What are my habits around sort of showing up for professional development? Like how do I prepare? How do I end it? That sort of stuff. I really want to pay close attention to habits when it comes to my professional work. The next thing that I have is uh, this idea of creating content. Now I have an amazing mentor uh, and, and obviously a partner in you, but I also have a mentor in Adam Krutinger who has just been lights out like the biggest, he, he is a guy that believes in me more than I believe in myself at times. Um, and I don't know why he keeps uh, hanging around me. Uh, he, he does, he keeps showing up, but I want to create more content. He's the one that basically pushed me to say, look, Adam Krutinger. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he works at our, our school. I happen to be lucky enough and fortunate enough to work with him. He also has a fantastic YouTube channel. If you don't know about it, you should go check out Adam Krutinger. Um, he has two amazing podcasts. He goes live basically three nights a week. Um, he He's a guy that lives up to the idea of what it means to have creating content and not caring about what people think. If it matters to you and you push it out, it may impact somebody else. And he's always been sort of of that mindset, like keep creating because the more you create, the more ideas you get out of your head and into the world, more ideas will visit you. More ideas are going to come into your head. And I think that's the mindset in 2021 that I want to continue to operate with. Uh, I did start on TikTok and you know I resisted it at first. Uh, you know, around this time last year, I think I've been on for like a year. I really did. I resisted. I'm like, oh, like find your niche, find people like who, and then it was like, who cares? Who cares that you have 10 followers, like create for 10 followers. And by the way, don't do it for followers, do it for the act of actually creating because through that process, you're learning about yourself. So more of more attention around creating content, um, that's why I'm glad we're, we're here in this moment, creating this podcast. And then the third, uh, goal that I have, that is a mantra that I live by every year, which is to do something hard every year. And here's, 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 here's what I mean by that. Last year for me, I decided that all of a sudden, well, actually two years ago, I decided I was going to become a runner in my mid forties. And I started running. I had no idea what I was doing, but I came I started to realize that good things were happening as a result of the habits I was forming around running. And so I stayed the course. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm growing or I'm getting better or this is happening. You know, and I kind of paid attention to like all these little offshoot segments. And uh, so I became passionate and I had some goals around running last year and I wanted to run my first marathon. 
and I had to run it by myself in the spring, which was incredibly hard. We could talk about that another time. Uh, but this year, I wanted to do something that was equally as hard as last year because from January until I ran that marathon in April, it was, I knew I was going to embark on something that was going to challenge me like nothing else. And it did. It lived up to the billing. Uh, so this year, I signed up for um, two marathons in the same month. And it's going to be really hard, but I believe by doing something hard or challenging, and it doesn't have to be endurance. It could be anything. It could be posting 10 times a week. It could be launching a podcast. It could be, and this kind of ties into goal number two, it could be writing a book, whatever you decide, or starting your blog, whatever the thing is, but doing something that's hard for you and then finding out sort of like, you know, what are the good things that come from that? So those are my goals for 2021. Those are good goals. Like yeah. Them. Like them a lot. Two marathons. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Being from Pittsburgh, um, I feel like I enjoy running back home with my brother and my friend. Uh, so I, I I like that. We started our like half marathon journey about two years ago. And obviously, I've never experienced the full Pittsburgh marathon back home in the streets where I grew up. And so I want to do that. And then also um, the place that I love, uh, which is Buffalo and being here. So I'm going to make sure that I run Pittsburgh at the beginning of May and then run Buffalo at the end of May. Now that is all to say, if these races go off, if they don't go off, um, I'm still committed to running two marathons by myself again here in town. <laughs> so, good luck, right? Yeah. It's just like you said with our students, you know, we want our students to have goals right yeah but how often do we share our own goals mm. you know like that's something i did last year during the pandemic i had a few goals you know i was gonna i was gonna make some self-care changes and i shared you know not like i'm gonna lose 20 25 pounds you know what i mean right, right. i'm gonna start eating healthier you yeah. know that's the goal for me and i think that helped my kids out a lot and i think just that it, it's kind of the idea of like that self-talk mm. that, that self-talk is really huge especially when you're teaching when you have kids who are still developing who are figuring things out like there was there was one video i just watched like the guy i i, I could do more research it was um the same it, it's on TikTok. it's called the mentor house Mm -hmm. The guy he was interviewing said, our kids don't need to be anything like us. They, they're not supposed to be us. You know what I mean? We're just there to give them examples mm. and aspire to who they might want to be. It's a powerful, it's a powerful message there is just to, to, to encourage students to find out who they are, right? Like, and, and find their way. Um, yeah. Not, not, not imposing my value system on them. No, but it's just, you know, and that's the, th and I feel like the best, there was another good, I'm full of examples. There was this wrestling coach and it, it's weird how like when you're a kid, right. And you try to remember, you, you know, when you were in middle school or high school or elementary school, there are only so many memories that stick out to you. And there was one, I had a wrestling coach and I was probably only in maybe like seventh grade. And he said, you got to be like a sponge. And you got to soak up as much as you can whenever you can. And I think I've always used that mm. to pull in as much information as you possibly can and use whatever you like, you know? I love that. Um, that's powerful. Yeah. It's so interesting that that stuck with you, you know, over the years. And that, that guy, that guy must've had 
obviously some sort of impact at that time. And, and maybe you were just ready to receive that message. Right. And it, and like you said, it's sustained uh, to this point of your life, which is pretty impressive. And kids and kids listen. They're, they're really good listeners. And we can say, oh, they're not listening to my math lesson all, all we want because I've been there. And I've been like, what are you doing? Yeah. But at the same time, like they are listening and they're watching and they're yeah. seeing how we react to situations. And for a lot of kids, those are the baselines. They have no prior knowledge, no experience with a situation. And however you handled that situation, however you talked yourself through it or talked them through it is like something that they will carry with them for a very long time. It's being a teacher and being in education is a, it is a privilege to be able to have an impact on someone's life. And I'm not old enough to know that like, like to have kids come up to me who grow into adults and our boy, Steve Cook will say it all the time. You know, he has, he's been teaching for so long that he will have people come back to him and say like, Oh man, I remember you, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. had that happen to me yet, but you, know, you lay it out for them to play it out kind of thing. Yeah. It's so funny. And, and I'll just, I'm going to highlight, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight a personal sort of anecdote here about that. So last year, because this, this is an exact example, like you said, maybe you, the age groups that you've taught, you haven't had that experience of somebody coming back. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that it has happened to me and it happened in the most insane way because I didn't know at the time what this, this student was referencing. I get an email two years ago from a student. Uh, this is 2018. I can, I can share this. I was actually going to do a post about this because I think it's a message for early career teachers to just sort of know that your impact is happening. It, 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 it's happening. You may not know it or be able to see it and understand it right now, but trust me, like you said, students are watching, they're taking it in, they're like the sponge and it's having an impact, positive or negative or both, right? And so the student uh, writes me an email and basically says, uh, hey, Mr. Seppi, I said, please call me Brian, but that she is graduating uh, from graduate school uh, from Fredonia. And she would like to invite me, which is something that I always used to say to my sixth graders was, um, when you go to graduate college, I'd love to show up to your college graduation, your event, if, if you want to have me. This child um, decided that she would write me. She wrote me uh, an email that said, um, graduating, I'd love to have you there. And she wrote in the email that there was this one time that stuck with her. She said, you saw me at a time when no one else could see me and or i didn't see myself and she said you pulled me into the room you said you pulled me into a room one-on-one and said you have so much more to give i'd like to see a little bit more effort out of your work and there was one other teacher matt at the time he happened to be in the the same room he heard me because he was also like the musical director and she was in the musical at the time And, and so i kind of asked matt for some support in the conversation and Matt told her a similar thing, you know, that, hey, you can do this. You've got so much more to give. We just want to see that potential come out, right? And she said that stuck with me everywhere I've gone. And now I'm graduating graduate school from Fredonia. I'd love to have you there. And I, I showed up at this thing. And she tells me that um, not only was that impactful, but that she invited to this graduation, which I thought was a cool idea. She invited one educator that had an impact on her from every stage of her career. So I was the K-8 representative. There was a 9-12 representative, an undergraduate representative, and a graduate teacher there at this uh, this graduation. But I think it goes back to your point, which is here's the illustration 
um, for that is, is look, you just don't know when it's happening, like you said, but their students are taking it in and those relationships, those bonds that you're forming with them, the way that you're seeing them and helping them see themselves is the stuff that is going to sort of stay with them. Like you said, in that sponge kind of effect for who knows how long, maybe eternity. Uh, it's the way that they shape and see themselves. And I think that's just something that needs to be kind of highlighted and at least acknowledged in our profession because sometimes we lose that, right? It's easy to to not focus on, hey, look, Tuesday at 1.30, I might be having an impact. It's easy to focus on, I got to get through this math lesson, right? Mm -hmm. Or actually it's hard to focus on that, but um, don't lose sight of the most important ingredients there. So, yeah. That, that was that goosebump moment. You gave me I that know. Gave me that goosebump moment. Those yeah. are the things. Those are what we live for. Is the 100%. moments, and not even. It, I think it's hard sometimes to reflect on your own goosebump moment. It's yeah. this is why we're doing this podcast is to share these things that have happened to us that are like profound. That just yeah. you're like wow, you know. And and I will say, looking ahead at 2021, I mean, our kids are going to look how this. They're going to look, they're looking to us one. And they're also, you know, when I, when I talk to my students in my class, like they're, they're, there's so much self, like, like positive talk, you know what I mean? Like you guys are, you guys are awesome at this. You guys got, you know what I mean? And it's not, and I've said this before, it's not about tricking kids into being something they're not. That's not what it is. It's about convincing their brain that they can do it, that they're mm -hmm. capable of really big things. Kind of like with that girl you were just talking about. Like sometimes they just need to hear somebody and, and a lot of times they might not have it. You know, you're looking at kids who could, might come from traumatic, very tough situations. And we are that person who yeah. gives them those really big pep talks, you know, and believes in them. So looking ahead in 2021, it's just how are we going to handle who knows what's going to happen the rest of the school year, right? right. You know, like I haven't heard anything about state testing or any, you know what I mean? Like who knows what's going to get thrown at us in two weeks from now. Great but point. It, it's the way we respond and the way we react. You know, I'd imagine, and I, I can't speak to this, but if I was in, say they say, hey, we're state testing. You know, it's something I haven't talked about. I mean, my class, I, I think I would be like, we're going to rock and roll this. We're going to get the, this. is going to be good. Woohoo! We get to show off everything mm. done so far this year. Our, whoa. And they're just going to be like, got this. You know right. what I mean? Like, cause right. that, that's what I'm portraying to them. Yeah. That's how it's been since day one with me. Yeah. And that goes back to that self-talk that you have too, right? The way that you handle those moments and that self-talk, the way that you think through that obviously has a direct impact on the people you serve, which is huge. Well, and I think say, going back to self-talk too, it's we're going to make mistakes and I may, I make mistakes, you know what I mean? And there's times that I might be in a little rut, you know, and like it, it's more about how, you know, how can we learn from that, you know, being re reflective and, you know, those, those sorts of things. Cause you know, kids need to know, like you said, we're not perfect. Either. Yeah. And so, and, and speaking of that, this is great. Uh, uh, this is our first podcast sort of in the books. We'll end it by saying, if you're viewing this or hearing this, uh, we would greatly appreciate your feedback and continued support. Uh, our goal is to create some content around real teacher talk. 
where we kind of unpack these habits, beliefs, and structures that can support all of us in the classroom and our work with students and families. Leave us a comment. Uh, many of you have commented. We will do our best to get back uh, to all of the comments that we have and um, look forward to a weekly episode is our uh, initial commitment right now. And uh, so next week we will be back at it. And for more information, you can find, we'll put in the show notes here for on the YouTube channel. We'll put the link to the website and also uh, we'll just sort of end it. Uh, Mr. Stella, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at mrstellerteaching.com uh, is my website. I do have my TikTok, same handle for TikTok, Instagram, stuff like that. And, and like you just said, Brian, we want you to reach out to us. This is how we continue to grow as educators. I cannot tell you how many people within the past week have sent new books my way. Like, you got to read this. You know, I want to continue to grow too. And that's why that's why we're doing it. So um, any of those things, if you want to connect or touch base. Yeah, that's great. And the same thing goes for me at Brian underscore Seppi, S-E-P-E underscore. Uh, is most of my social media handles and then finding me at my website too, brianseppi.com. And also, if you're interested, you could check out Choice Literacy uh, for some of the articles that I've posted there. As always, we, we appreciate your time and um, we will be back at it next week, Mr. Stella, right? Sounds great. All right, my friend, good work. Thank you, everybody. All right, thank you.